All right, welcome back to the Outlaw Country podcast. Uh, I'm Cole, and unfortunately this week, Ben is not going to be joining us, but uh, we actually have a guest with us, uh, David Adam Burns, and so it's great to have you, man. Hey, good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, I guess we'll just start off with like the big thing. Uh, so we know that you uh, just recently released your uh, latest album, Neon Town. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it and how it came to be? Yeah, man. Uh you know, we started recording this thing back in what January of 2018, I think. Uh, I was had just signed my second record deal, and uh, I'd been in Nashville for quite a while. You know, I, ultimately, I spent 11 years there before I moved to Texas. But I was kind of at that point where I was just sick of kind of being told what I can and can't do, and, and being pushed into the type of country that just wasn't necessarily me, and so. I, uh, in signing that new record deal, I pretty much told him, I said, I'll sign it, but I'm doing this thing country. I'm doing songs. I want, you know, it's, we're not going to chase the, the music grow thing. And so I got the chance to record it with Trent Wilman. And, uh, it was the, uh, the big brother I never knew I had, man. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the first time working with a producer that just 100% saw my vision, saw eye to eye, you know, it, we wanted fiddle. We wanted steel. We wanted great songs. We wanted this thing to be 100% country from start to finish. No loops, no drum tracks, none of the, none of the stuff that Nashville was kind of forcing down our throats at the time. And so, uh, a lot of these songs, I shouldn't say a lot, but some of these songs are as much as 10 years old. You know, it's a lot of the stuff that I had written that was quote unquote to country, you know, at the time. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, like signs, I can give you one. Both of those songs are in that realm. And so uh, we picked songs and, and we got in the studio and man, there was just a magic today. We, we had our sessions to record it. You know, I just, I've done a lot of recording over the years, whether it's demo or records and that kind of stuff. And you can just feel the magic. You could tell the studio guys, it was a breath of fresh air to, to do this kind of country. And so we, uh, we did it and that led uh, to Trent opening some doors for me to, to open up some shows for some Texas guys. And next thing I know, they're all telling me you should come to Texas. So we kind of put the release on pause while I made that transition to come over here. And, you know, we push out beer bucket list and it goes number one, my very first single. So that, that was, <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe this is how it's supposed to work. And this is a good thing. And next thing you know, you end up in a lawsuit with a record label. And, uh, you know, we were quiet for eight months and I thought this record was going to be lost. I thought it was literally this thing that I'd sunk my heart and soul and, tears beers whatever you want to call it into and I, I i really and truthfully had thought that man no one's ever going to hear this thing and so uh you end up in a lawsuit for about a year and next thing you know the label just basically says here have your record go away leave us alone and what i've basically learned is i'm stubborn and if you're stubborn long enough it works <laughs> oh. but uh we released a few singles and you know we, we've had a lot of battles between covid and just all these other things trying to get this thing out but it's just I think I got a little sidetracked on answering your question, but ultimately it just, this is the first project that I feel like is a hundred percent me from start to finish, just content, material sounds. It's just, I, I think I found myself telling people this week, it's just, it's country music the way I want to hear it. So uh, mm -hmm. I just hope other people like it too. Uh, I, you mentioned uh, the song signs. Uh, I think that's one of my favorites off your album. Um, I was listening to it right before uh, we got on this call and uh did you say you wrote that a while ago then? I did. Uh, 
man, how long ago was it? I remember uh, our buddy had just signed a publishing deal over at Universal, and you know that's basically the the, the mother label that owns where George Strait's at. And so we were trying to see if we could slide in and get a George Strait cut last minute. In fact, that's why we put the whole the was it not 80 miles? No, I got to sing it. I can't remember the lyrics. I ain't singing it, but the, the 80 miles to Dallas, we were trying to see if we can get a George Strait cut with it. But yeah, I want to say we wrote that as long ago as like, it may not have been 10 years, but man, I think it might've been like 2012 or something like that. I say, I think that's one of my favorites off the, your new record. And I really enjoy that one. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. It's I, I, I'll be honest. It's my favorite one on this record. And it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written in general. I, I'm I'm so glad that it finally found a home on a project and it dang sure will be one of our singles for us things over with. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned kind of releasing some of like the singles during the um, like pandemic time. Were you kind of nervous about that? Um, like releasing it during that time period or no? You know, it was weird. So, you know, I can give you one goes number one, literally like the week before everything shuts down. Mm-hmm. And so we had already lost momentum at radio once because we didn't release something right after, you know, right. one single hit. So um, I wasn't so nervous about releasing a single. I was nervous about the money it took to spend to release the single. Um, but it turned out, I think it was a big, huge blessing disguise. Uh, it being able to, to have something to brag about right as the world's kind of panicking and then something just to, to push. I mean, in all honesty, it was something to do. I'm still making radio calls while I'm sitting here mm-hmm. on this couch right here <laughs> and bored out of my mind. And it just, you know, it, it was the closest thing to touring and, and sanity and stability, I guess, that, you know, I, I had to do during the whole two months that everything was completely shut down. So it, yeah, it was scary, but it was worth it. So I'm glad we did it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know if you have listened to any of our podcasts, but we recently interviewed uh, Hayden Haddock and we talked to him and he talked to us about like how much of an influence uh, Trent Wilmont's been for him. Uh, can you kind of tell us like how he's helped you as an artist and what he's done for you? Man, it's Trent helped me in ways that I don't even think he knows he did. <laughs> but uh, part of it was that validation of I could do country music and not second guess, you know, I mean, after my first record deal fell apart, I found myself, you know, I was trying to be a songwriter as well as an artist. And the best way to get your stuff going is to get cuts as a writer. Mm-hmm. That unfortunately forced me to write some of that bro stuff and all that junk that I absolutely despised. And so um, I think the main thing with Trent was he helped. I keep using the term unbrainwash myself. <laughs> um, getting back in the room with him he wouldn't settle on lines. You know, I, I, I was a very, like you hear it with songs like signs and stuff. Like I'm my biggest pet peeve is hearing songs on the radio that are just cliche, cheesy, yes. not thought out. Like Absolutely. I, I, I come from like that Eric church style of writing, which don't, I'm not trying to say by any means I compare to that. Cause that's a <laughs> level of freak writing. I can't hit, but it's, it's all about twist and play on words and thinking out of the box. And I'd found myself getting to where, I, it was just cool. Yeah, let's write this cheesy song, whatever. Cool. Artist happy, y'all happy. Yay. All right. Let's waste our time doing this now, you know? And I think the thing that Trent really helped me do was get back to trying to be a great writer again, you know? And and even uh, in doing this record, I, it was... I don't want to take credit away from Trent when I say this. I think I could have produced this record on my own, but 
having that person there that validated, you know, I remember going like, can we put fiddle there? You know, absolutely <laughs> fiddle should be there. You know, this, this still guitar, right? Absolutely. You know, having that guy in my corner, making me remember it's okay to do country music and do real country music. That was a huge part of it. But I think we're Trent the most, you know, like in my arms uh, is a song that would not have been there had not been Trent. You know, we were, were, when I first started trying to get back to my roots, you know, Nashville wasn't doing traditional. So what our idea was, well, let's make party traditional. So, you know, I was doing songs like Alka Holiday and all that stuff. And everything in mine was just party breakup, fun, party breakup, you know. And I, I'll never forget, we're picking songs out and listening. Trent just stops and goes, I bet you got a lot of dudes at your shows. And I was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? <laughs> he said, there is no, like, meaningful love songs in this, bro. And uh, we literally stopped right there trying to, to pick songs and just went out on his porch and wrote that song. That's awesome. And so it, it's stuff like that where he challenged me to step out of the comfort zone when it came to being a writer and stuff like that too. But I mean, and then I, I guess the ultimate thing of Trent was just the, the introduction to Texas. You know, I, I had known about Texas. I, I really had thought about maybe coming to Texas, but I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, we got done writing that record there. I'm sorry, not writing it, recording the record. And he, uh, he made a phone call to get me on an opening slot with Cody Johnson. And next thing I know, the next two months, I'm just opening up for different Texas guys. And, you know, every single night getting told, man, you ought to come to Texas. And so long story short, not having Trent to open that, that door. I don't know that I'd be in Texas and we dang sure wouldn't be having this release doing what it's doing. So he, he's helped me in a lot of ways, more ways than he realizes, I'm sure. Uh, you mentioned Eric Church. Have you uh, heard any of his new uh, songs that he's released this uh, year? Um, you know, I, I'm bad about not really listening <laughs> to new, new stuff. So I don't know what the latest stuff is. My girlfriend loves him. And so I know she has him on a lot, but I'd be lying if I said if I knew it was like the newest. But I have heard the stick that in a country song thing. And it, I dig. I, I love the message. There's parts of it where it's like, I think I'd have taken a few more jabs at them, but mm -hmm. I, uh, but I, I'm glad somebody's calling it out. Yeah. I say, I love that one. And then this past week, uh, he came out with one called hell of a view. And to me, at least it kind of reminds me like, uh, it's along the lines of like a Springsteen or, uh, like a, give me back my hometown song for him. And so yeah. I like, I've just on repeat that whole time, just blasting. Nice. That song. <laughs> I've got to listen, man. I, to me, like, to this day, my favorite Eric Church record is his very first one. Like that was, mm -hmm. I'll never forget like the line. I never realized how much she brought to the table. So I went to sit in my cup of coffee yep. where the table used to be. I mean, bro, can we get back to writing good songs like that again? Absolutely. Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, But kind of going back to talking about moving to Texas, uh, like in your bio, it talks about how Aaron Watson kind of pushed for you to come to Texas and be a part of that like music scene. Were you hesitant then to kind of be a, like move to Texas and join that like Texas Fort Worth scene at all? Yes and no. And, you know, and, and I know our bio kind of says it and it can be interpreted. And, you know, I, I don't want people to get the false narrative that like me and Aaron were tight. And he was like, come to Texas. You know, it mm -hmm. was that was that last show that I did before I went, screw it, let's go. Um, but it was, you know, I, like I said, two months straight, just different acts. And, you know, Aaron and his crew, I remember having a conversation after the show that night. They're like, I think you'd be pretty successful if you consider Texas, man. If you've been in Nashville that long and you're obviously country, why not? And 
there was a lot of, I, I was getting frustrated with the record label because, you know, they had put out a single and promised all this stuff. And once again, I'm mm-hmm. single day comes, there's nothing. So I, I think there was a bit of frustration. I think there was eagerness. I think there was a matter of, I've been here for 11 years. I got to switch it up. So yes, I was scared. Yes, I was it's all the above, you know, it was just a, hell, why not? Let's try something different and see if this works. So, mm-hmm. um, so I guess kind of going with it, has Texas then been like a bigger influence on your music? Do you think? It definitely has it, you know, like, I mean, all these songs were already written and recorded before I came to Texas. But what I will say is like, as far as my future goes, like, the main thing that I found in Nashville is, you know, you're writing and the publishers and all that are cramming down your throat that there's a formula. It's got to be this content, this sound, this topic, you know, I mean, you come to Texas, there's no limits. You want to write a song about hookers or something. You can, I mean, that's, I hate using that example, but <laughs> you couldn't put that on mainstream radio. If I turn a song about a hooker into a publisher, my mom is going to be like, why out of all the things you could have mentioned, why that I'm so sorry. But for some reason that's where my brain went, but like, <laughs> It just, I guess my point is there's no limits in Texas. It's just, you can write about any kind of real life situation there is, and people will actually listen to it. And to me, just getting out of that, that bubble that I felt like I was stuck in writing wise, I think that's where it's really helped me. Nice. Uh, so what do you think has been like? Hookers, I still cannot believe that was my, <laughs> go me. It's all right. It's all good. Uh, what do you think? A little brain dead after this week. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree with that one. Uh, what do you think has been like your favorite part about Fort Worth or your favorite attraction down there? Uh, man, you know, as cliche as it is to say, I mean, going down to the stockyards is pretty cool because it reminds me a lot of like Broadway back in the old days of, you know, when I first, first moved to Nashville. But, um, I, I still remember that first time I went down there, you know, we, I had went down and just thought I'd pop in to kind of check the place out never ate or nothing. And people just started handing me shots. And so the <laughs> afternoon kind of got a little, a uh, little fuzzy. And next thing I know, I walked to my truck to go grab t-shirts out to bring back, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden I look and there's a whole bunch of steers just walking towards me. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, just that whole scene. I mean, getting to go to Billy Bob's finally and like, you know, I hadn't played there, but I got together for the awards just, just seeing all these Texas iconic things that you've heard about forever. You know, I, I I know I'm steering away from just Fort Worth when I say this, but like to be able to hear about green hall all these years to actually step on that stage and play that, you know, that was one of the things for me. I'm from Arkansas. I'm not from Texas. And so I really wanted to dive in and really understand and see all the stuff. You know, I I wanted to see the blue bonnets. I wanted to to go to San Antonio and experience all that. I wanted to to go to to Fort Worth and, and see the stockyards, see Billy Bob's and, to me, that's been more the thing of just the understanding why it's such a proud state and why they look, you know, the genre loves those topics and those things. It's, it's, it's cool stuff. And it, it makes sense now that I've actually get to live it. That's awesome. Um, if you could collaborate with any Texas country artists, like who would it be, whether it's just writing a song or being able to just get on like a stage and perform with them? Well, I'm going to kind of stretch the limits when I say a Texas artist because you're pretty mainstream, but my hero is George Strait. So it's always right. that, that answer is always going to be George Strait. <laughs> it, nothing's wrong with that at all. <laughs> uh, I guess kind of going back to we kind of talked about um, like the formula for writing songs in uh, Nashville and like that bro country kind of um, 
music, do you think that's dying and like the traditional sound is coming back or do you um, still think that bro country still has a little bit of like uh, pull in the industry? I don't think bro country necessarily even exists. I mean, you're seeing guys like Fuller Georgia line trying to like change what they're doing. What I think it's done is it's gone just 10 times more pop. Um, yeah. You know, you're seeing more of the Sam hunt and that kind of stuff. I think um, I would be lying if I said on a mainstream scale that I thought that full blown traditional country was just going to make a full comeback. But what I think it's doing is you're seeing that there's a lot of fans of it and that they do want that and you just got to go find them. Um, I think the reason I say that comes down to mainstream radio, um, you know, not to call out our heart or all that kind of stuff, but the reality of it is they've got a formula and they want a certain sound to attract to a certain crowd. And yep. I just don't know that they're ever going to truly embrace that style. But to me, that's kind of why I don't look at Texas country as just, Oh, it's Texas's country. I look at it as, a subgenre of country music, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost kind of like country and Western back in the day. It, it, to me, it's that Western side of country. And so, um, you know, it kind of goes back into when people ask me all the time, you know, what's your goals? What do you want? And it's, you know, for me, it's like, I don't know that I'll ever be some kind of a guy that can sell out arenas doing this kind of country music on a consistent basis. But if I can sell out two to 5,000 cedar honky tonks, three nights a week, I'll be tickled to death. So, there's always going to be fans of it. I just, I question country got so busy chasing numbers instead of just the people that were country fans. So that's my fear of how far will it go? But I mean, sky's the limit. There's people out there. It's just a matter of, there's just a lot of lost pop fans call themselves country fans. If we're going to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you earlier, you mentioned, uh, growing up in Arkansas, uh, you kind of want to tell us about that, uh, what it was like, uh, kind of what your hometown was like, and uh, just your experience you had growing up. Yeah, man. I So I grew up in Sherwood, which uh, nobody knows where that is, so I'll just say North <laughs> Little Rock area. Um, I was a way late in life kid, so I think that's part of the reason why I am the way I am. Um, you know, I, I had three sisters that were way older than me. You know, my, my youngest sister was out of the house when I was about eight or nine years old. So, I mean, it was kind of like being raised by grandparents. So <laughs> I had different, I should say different, more traditional, more old school raising values, you know, just the way you were brought up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like my dad grew up on the same piece of land that I grew up on and, uh, you know, they subdivisioned all around us, but we still had our strip of land. So, you know, I don't know. We're like most kids. We're probably watching Barney and cartoons and doing Saturdays and stuff like that. You know, I mean, we would listening to Bob Robbins in the morning on Kissing 96. And then we flipped on TNN. And that's what I watched until my mom wanted to watch her soap operas kind of thing, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. I it, you know, it was always country music for me. I, I definitely didn't have the normal childhood when it comes to that, you know, and, and we were always out, you know, working out on our, you know, like Saturday morning, we'd make breakfast and I'd run out and have to help my dad do whatever chores were that day. You know, it wasn't like a, I don't know. It just, I was raised more kind of old school, I guess. And, you know, it was a very strict house and it got to where, you know, I got in high school and everybody's going and having parties and doing all this stuff. And I wasn't really allowed to do it, but I think that's a little bit of what drove me to want to go. You know, I was playing bars and clubs 
my what junior, maybe my sophomore, I want to say at least junior year of high school. So okay. that, that was my, my getaway and go out and have fun on the weekends. You know I mean? I was an athlete and, you know, scouts, sports, you know, and I, I would sing, you know, like my dad would take me to this little group he had on Monday nights and we'd go to nursing homes all over, you know, the Little Rock area every Monday night during the school year. So it just, I don't know, we were always doing something. It seems like there wasn't really ever a night that we weren't somewhere. So, uh, were you just doing like shows then like in the little bars around like the Little Rock area then? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you know, it, it was kind of just anywhere that would let me, you know, early on I would do talent shows and I got in with this group that would just go around and just kind of karaoke style sing at just events. But mm-hmm. once I put that little high school band together, it, it started off, it was doing backyards. You know, we would have people that would say, come to our backyard and let's, let's have a gig tonight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it progressed to uh, the small bars and, you know, at that time, there wasn't really an age limit or any kind of issue. In fact, I didn't even run into that till I was about 19, which is part of why I moved to Nashville. I was like, well, I can't play here. I got to go somewhere. But yeah, man, we were, I was testing out the honky tonks by the time, you know, before I was 18 years old. So I think that's a lot of why the road dog in me, it's just, it's all I've known through high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like then moving to Nashville then at the age of 19? Like, were you nervous? Like, what was, uh, I guess, your mindset with that? You know, it's funny because I try to look back at it and I'm sure I must have been nervous, but I was so naive, so dumb and honestly such just a cocky little turd that I think I just, I'm going to go to Nashville. I know I'm a badass and they're just going to love me. And (laughs) the problem was I did and they did. So it just fed my little you know, my little green ego and, you know, you're turning heads because you're 19 years, yeah, 19 years old and you're not coming to town wanting to do, you know, Jason Aldean and Rascal Flats and all that stuff that was hot at the time. I'm coming in going, I'm here to sing Merle Haggard, George Strait and carry the torch. And so that turned a lot of heads early on. And so, I mean, I got attention from a lot of the the cats that had written the hits in the nineties and stuff. And, you know, I mean, I, I started doing the Broadway thing that first year, you know, when the first month, you know, I was already making a living playing, you know, four five, six, maybe seven nights a week in town. And so next thing you know, it's not even a year and I've already got a publishing and record deal. So, I mean, it's, Looking back, I think I probably was a little scared, but I mean, I knew my entire life that music's what I wanted to do. I mean, three years old, folks, let me see George Strait. I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I think it was almost kind of like just maybe a kid going off to college or something is probably how I would explain it. It just, it's, well, this is the next step. I got to do it. So let's go. Nice. Uh, I guess being an Arkansas native, have you ever thought about doing anything with someone like Ward Davis or Justin Moore? So I have with Ward. We actually both used to write for Better Angels together. And so we used to write quite a bit. We've done some shows. Uh, In fact, on my very first record, there's a song called When I'm Done Missing You that me and Ward wrote together. So I love Ward. And uh, Justin's a good buddy. Um, We've done some shows here and there. Like we'll we'll text back and forth. You know, he's always willing. We need to do something. And I'm like, bro, I'm waiting on you. You're the one that's got the, uh, the schedule. But Man, it, it really – I'm proud to be from Arkansas, man. And we've got a lot of great country singers. You know, Joe Nichols is a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, Tracy Lawrence is from Arkansas. Johnny Cash is from Arkansas. You know, there's a, another cat named Heath Sanders that's coming up. You know, it's – I'm damn proud to be from that state and know the, the good kind of country that we got coming out of it. And, you know, you can kind of see different styles throughout the state. You know, I, I definitely see more of the, the Texas influence come from guys like me and Tracy Lawrence. But, yeah, yeah man, Absolutely. 
Yeah, I say we uh, in the past we interviewed uh, Justin's manager Jr. and <laughs> that dude, he is he's amazing. He he's a hoot. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Justin, uh, when you hear all those backwood songs, go is that for real? Just just go drive to Poe in Arkansas. Yes, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then talking about uh, Ward Davis, did you see that he plans on releasing another album here pretty soon? Man, I saw that post today. That made me happy for yeah, him, brother. Like black, I, I, uh, I love that. It's like black crows and cats or something like that. I think. It's <laughs> yeah. I'm excited, Ward's, man. I'm just, you know, he's one of them guys that, like, I remember back then. You know, he'd already been in town ten years and was kind of like freaking out. What do I do next? You know, I, and uh, you know, there was little quotes out of here from him, this and that. And he's one of them guys I always listen to, and I was like, this dude is so good. Like, why is why is nothing happened? And mm-hmm. it makes my heart happy to see him having success now, man. Yeah, I say I've been. Uh, rooting for him for a while now uh my cousin ben and i we went to uh cody jinx show and he's one of the openers for it and he had a phenomenal show phenomenal show. yeah and then i think um, thing gets me with ward too is outside of being an amazing singer and a great songwriter he's such a good musician i mean he mm-hmm. he's he's got that level of being a musician that i wish i had i mean he's just the dude lives eat breathes music man yeah absolutely um, I guess kind of talking about um, some other artists. So we were actually introduced to, like to your music by uh, our, uh, Curtis Grimes. Uh, yeah. Uh, is he someone that has uh, showed you the robes uh, for being like a Texas country uh, music artist then? Man. So the last couple of years that I lived in Nashville, he was, he had actually moved there for a little bit and then he had moved back, but we were kind of writing that whole time and got to be good buddies. And he's okay. another one of them that had always, man, you should, you should think about coming to Texas. And so that's one of the, I I remember I moved here and I remember I was sitting at the post office and I don't know why he, that's what it was. He called me right as I was pulling out of the post office and he goes, what's up, man. And I remember my exact words were, all right, I'm here now. What? (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, he's the one that made the introduction to who is now me and Curtis's manager, Brandon. And, you know, he just pretty much said, he was like, you know, Tell them to throw you on any show you want a minor support. And Curtis single-handedly helped me move faster the scene because had it not been for him, you know, I was doing a lot when I first, first, first moved to tech. I mean, you talk about gut check. You go from tour buses, sometimes playing in arenas, all these sold out shows, all the, you know, the Nashville big production to carry in your high school PA that you had to pick up for your mom and dads and bring to Texas to do a, four hour show for like a hundred bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was doing that for the first couple of months and thanks to Curtis, you know, and like I got to play green hall within the first four or five months of being in Texas, you know? And so he, uh, Curtis was a huge, huge help. Cause I was able to kind of get out of those four hour cover gigs and start going and playing 30 minutes, 60 minutes of just my stuff. And yeah, Curtis single-handedly, I owe that dude a lot. That's awesome. I say we were uh, able to see him this past week uh, perform at the Bucks Bar and Grill here in uh, Venice, Nebraska. And uh, oh, we're gonna be there in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you about that. So I was looking at your like tour schedule. How do you go from doing like shows in all over Texas to then one in Illinois and then Nebraska? Like, how did that happen? So Illinois, this is a third time trying to reschedule. Um, <laughs> okay, I think trying to remember i can't remember what the whole ordeal i know we were supposed to be back 
there, like with the album release tour back when we originally were going to do it in May and COVID killed it. And so anyway, this was the rescheduled date. And I remember telling my manager, I was like, dude, I'm not going all the way to Illinois for one show. Like get us something. And he's like, <laughs> Nebraska. And I was like, whatever, good enough. You know, <laughs> so we, uh, that's the one thing about, you know, since things have opened back up, you know, we, we've been very fortunate. We've been touring nonstop since May, really, you know, it hasn't been the most conventional touring and that's kind of the way this is, but it's, you know, since everything went down, we pretty much took the approach that we can sit at home and feel sorry for ourselves or we can roll up our sleeves and take what's thrown at us. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that route uh, is going to suck, but we are coming and we are going to have fun and make the best of it. I might be uh, on fumes from caffeine, but we're going to make it work. That's uh, October 24th, correct? I believe so. I know it's the week before Halloween. So Okay. Um, I'm just going to give you a fair warning. You're either going to have a lot of uh, pissed off people in the audience or a lot of happy people because uh, that's Nebraska's first uh, game that week. Is it? Well, I'm, yeah. I'm a Razorback fan, so y'all might be having to worry about which one you're going to get from me too. So <laughs> I feel you. I say we got Ohio State, so it's uh, it's going to be an interesting <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of drinking there that night. Either way, well, either way, we, we opened up our season with Georgia, so I feel you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough one to watch, but uh, uh, hopefully Ben and I will be able to make it out to Bucks for that one. Because yeah, man, y'all y'all need to. It's I'm I mean, it's been a while since I've been to Nebraska. The uh, I think the last time we were there, we did the what's it called the Platte County Fair in Columbus, I think. Yeah, something like that. Like. And that was back. Man, I bet it was every bit of four years ago, and I don't think we've been back to Nebraska since. So I'm excited to come back there, man. Have you ever done a show at Bucks before? No, this will be my first time there. Oh, nice! It's a it's a really cool little bar. It's uh literally out in the middle of nowhere, only bar out there. So it's love it. It's a unique setting, that's for sure. Love it. You know, that's you know, people all the time ask us. I'm I'm glad you said it made me think of it because like it's what inspired Neon Town the song. Is, you know, people are talking like, what's your favorite place to play? And, you know, people would expect you to say, you know, Chicago, New York, like all these. No, man, I love these middle of nowhere bars that there ain't nothing else to do in that town, but wait for Saturday night to come in. And yeah, like that, that's, I remember the day me and Adam wrote me on town. That's what we were talking about is how much more fun we have in those like dives like that. And so, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm ready to come up there. I just think places like that are so cool because then you have like the locals that are, you know, that's that is their thing to do. Like every single weekend they're there at the shows and they're always the ones that are getting up. They'll yep. dance to just about any song that's playing. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't care where, like where in the bar they're at. They'll find a spot in there and they'll start just dancing. And it's just it's such a cool environment. Yeah. Yeah. Just I mean, I don't want to say there's less distractions. There's definitely distractions in those kind of bars, but it just. There's more of appreciation, I guess, for you yes. to come in there and do that. And then, and especially us, you know, I mean, it's such a put together. I mean, it, it's a very rehearsed, like, it's, it's a pro show. So I think when people see it, they're like, whoa, okay, this is in our bar. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm excited, man. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, So uh, we saw that you're partnered with the company uh, Vexel, and we have recently interviewed uh, John Stork, and we saw he, like, he is uh, – kind of sponsored by them too and partnered mm-hmm. with them. Uh, can you kind of tell us about that partnership and what it does for you? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, it originally started, Sean just reached out to me on Instagram and just wanted to know if I'd be interested in their stuff. And, you know, I'd already been looking at it going, man, I wish they'd send me some stuff, <laughs> but I just never realized like, you know, I'm not one of them. That tra- I'm not as much of a Bible thumper as like a Curtis is, but you know, I'm a big Christian. And, uh, 
you know, I love the fact that they got Bible verses, you know, literally in this hat right here is a Bible verse. And uh, I guess I'd even recognize that. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, you know, all their every single merch item they have has something on there. But and, you know, it's one of the things anybody can just send you some stuff, but it's just the constant relationship and working together. The fact, you know, they share the videos, you know, a lot of places will tell you, oh, we want to do stuff for you. But it really just comes down to, oh, you tag us. You know, it's it's a true partnership that they they really do support us. He support, you know, we support them. And even with, like with the record release, you know, he gave us a chance to do a bunch of giveaways, you know, gift cards and stuff and just, you know, as dumb as it sounds, stuff like that helps grab the attention of somebody that may not have wasn't going to listen right. to the record, you know, it's, Hey, we're going to send you a hundred dollars of Excel. If you go, go buy a record and take a screenshot of it. And so it, it's just stuff like that, that, you know, being able to have, I'm just a firm believer, the bigger your circle, the better, you know, it's the more people you can have support and you support them. I mean, it's, we're all in this together. Awesome. Uh, I guess last question here. Um, what advice do you have for other artists, especially the ones who uh, don't want to, buy the, or they don't want to feel the need to produce either that bro country or pop country music uh like what's your advice for them to like get a following and um find their audience you know it starts with being authentic i, I i'm a firm believer that part of the reason why this never worked for me in the past i mean it's i'm not trying to sit there and say now that oh i've made it because by golly we got a long ways to go but I think we're having so much more success now because this record is authentic. The music's authentic. Mm -hmm. When I step out and I'm dressed the way I am, it's authentic again. It's there, there was so long that I, I was doing stuff because I was told to, but it wasn't me. And I, I think that you got to figure out who you are as an artist, especially if you're young. Um, and maybe you have to go around the sun and, and do some stuff out of your comfort zone to find that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but just be you. Don't don't chase you. The, the biggest thing I always remember telling people, you know, or actually, I'm sorry, the best thing I was ever told is the music industry is always going to do this. The best thing you can do is this and let it find you because if you're doing this, you're going to always be behind it chasing it. And so mm -hmm. it just don't feel like if something you're doing don't, don't worry if it's not going to work on a big scale, find an audience that actually likes it and cater to them, you know, and it may not be huge. It may not be one that you can make a full living off of it, but if you can, you're going to appreciate it a lot more if you know you're doing something from the heart. Awesome. And cool. learn the business. Don't, don't be the idiot. I was learn the business. <laughs> There's a business to it. Learn that part. There you go. Uh, well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk with us this week. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thank y'all for having me, brother. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see you here in a couple of weeks then. Yeah, we'll have some cold beers up there. Absolutely. Bushlight's <laughs> always cold there, that's for sure. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. All right, have a good night, man. All right, brother, you too. <laughs> All right, thanks so much for listening tonight, guys. Uh, that was David Adam Burns. If you haven't got a chance to yet, uh, his newest album, uh, Neon Town, just came out this past week, so go give that a listen. Um, like he mentioned earlier, he's been working on that for a long time now, and it deserves all the listens it can get because it is one hell of an album. Um, kind of some other news, I guess. Brent Cobb recently came out with his album, latest album last week, uh, Keep Them On Their Toes. Fantastic job by him. Uh, look for an album review here pretty soon from Ben and me. Uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to just talk about some of the songs and what we like about it and stuff like that. So uh, be looking for that here pretty soon. 
Other things that came out this week, uh, John Party released the deluxe version of Ain't Always the Cowboy. Uh, so he has a couple new songs on it. There's Bar Downtown and Beer Light. Uh, but then there's also the Ain't Always the Cowboy Western version that made it on there. So uh, Bar Downtown and Beer Light are two fantastic songs, uh, really great ones from him. So make sure you go give those ones a listen. Um, other music, uh, Ray Fulcher came out with Love Ya Son, Go Dogs. That's a fantastic song. Uh, kind of just talking about, it's almost like it's a, it's a voicemail left from his uh, dad or someone like that. And just kind of catching up. And at the end, it's just Love Ya Son, Go Dogs. Uh, so that's a really cool one that came out from him. Uh, Cody Johnson did a collab with uh, Reba. And they uh, redid uh, Deer Rodeo. And it was really cool. Uh, the kind of what Reba brings to it. It's a really great uh, version of the song. So if you haven't got a chance, check that one out. Uh, last song I want to mention is Hell of a View by Eric Church. Because that was incredible. Um, really reminds me of that Springsteen um, or that Give Me Back My Hometown vibe. It's a really great one. Um, fantastic work from Eric Church. Um, again, this one was blue, so it has a blue album cover. So we got two red, two blue. I think it's just solidifying the fact that there will be a double album coming out from here, him pretty soon. I'm guessing probably early, uh, 2021, but hopefully soon. I can't wait for that one. And then I guess to end with my song recommendation of the week is going to be history by Shelby Lilo. It's fantastic. And Loving what Shelby's doing. Uh, he's got new music coming out here pretty soon on October 16th. So be looking forward to that. And he's just one hell of a guy, great artist, and even better um, human being. He's a really great friend to us, and we wish him all the best. So thanks for listening this week, guys. And uh, we'll be doing another one here pretty soon. Yeah.